0: 2009 okay and you know those life stages that you have with your kids those who have kids you you know or ever were kids you know you you get this you know that there's like these big moments you know that happen so like Josiah is going off to college in like three weeks I got to drive with him to Minneapolis and um yeah so it's just like a life stage you know looking forward to having cereal in the house again stuff like that but um I remember when we first moved up here, it's 2009, and it was like one of those life stages because our youngest, Zoe, was starting kindergarten, which meant that they were all in school during the day, which, you know, come on, parents, you know what I'm talking about. That's like amazing. It's like, it's like Braveheart, freedom, you know, like at least for a few hours, you know. And um, there was something that like we had never experienced before, which was that there was a, a school bus that would come and pick up the kids. You know, we'd never had that. I never grew up with that. I mean, when I had to ride the bus as a kid, it was like the city bus, you know. I had to ride with, like, the homeless people and, like, crazy people. Like, it didn't matter. Right? that's, But there was this yellow bus came up. Well, not the short one, regular size. But it came up, and it picked up all the kids. It stopped at all, like, the little sections. So they just basically had to walk down the little cul-de-sac just to the end there. And, um, you know, they'd walk you know, our kids and other kids would all kind of walk together down there. And, um, you know, we walked with them the first, you know, week or something until, yeah, you know, and, um, and then they walked themselves and all the kids would come to get on the bus. And, uh, this particular morning, I remember they all got up and went, Lisa, I think was working at Starbucks at the time. So she was gone at work already four a.m. you know? So, um, they, they all start walking and, uh, and I'm like, you know, in my in my jammies still, you know, like because I hadn't like gotten ready. I wasn't coming into the office. I had to like shower and stuff. But because they would leave, I forget seven twenty five, something like that, you know. And um, but when they went to to walk out, you know, like I, you know, I, bye, you know. And then uh, you know, like the good dad. <laughs> and they walked down the street, and then I was like, gonna get in the shower. But I always kind of like you wanted to wait a minute make sure the bus actually came they didn't come back I didn't hear them like screaming at each other fighting or something like down the street I had to come out and be like leave her alone put pulling in her hair you know so um so I'm sitting in my house just like waiting you know that kind of like 10 minutes until I know they're gone and then I was gonna hop in the shower and I'll never forget I was sitting on the couch in the living room still in like my jammies no shoes on or anything and um all of a sudden I hear this crazy loud knock at the door like bang 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 and all of a sudden the door just opens and this woman walks into my house like a stranger I'd never met before and she walks like like she knocks like bang 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 but then opens the door like oh just who opens someone else's door and just walks in you know and I mean if if she didn't look like you know I don't know like just middle-aged housewife look, you know, I might've been scared, but then I was just confused. Like, did she have the wrong house? What's going She walked in and, and like, opened the door and wasn't like, hello, like opens the door and just walk straight into the living room. Like, what if I were in my underwear? You know, like the kids are gone. Hey, you know, but, um, I'm sitting there and I, and I like, I like stand up, you know, like, cause, and then she's there. And she said, like, you know, one of those things that as a parent, you, it's like your worst nightmare ever. She she comes into my house, and she says, your daughter just got hit by a car. And I was like, you know, like, yeah, pros. what? And, and, and I actually run out towards the door, you know, to like run out there. But the bus stop is like a good, I don't know, eight or ten houses down. It's like, a, I don't know, a quarter mile, and I'm imagining myself, running down the street, barefoot, you know, and I probably wasn't in the best shape at the time, you know. So I'm thinking, like, this is going to take me, like, at least three minutes. I'm going to be sweating, you know, like, and I uh, get there. And, and I'm thinking, and then, and then what am I going to do? What happened? Did something change? I didn't so, do that. Father, I wasn't touching was it. Jesus, da- David, concerned. David, what are you doing? David, stop it. Stop before it. Before David, David, happens. David, David. Did, and I don't back, think back. I let off Yo, no more back. Easily make, okay. by saying Sam, a great make David or stop. A great or, you know, I, just, I just got to the, the real intense part in the way, story. Saying Alexa mute was Alexa He's stop. It's crucified. crucified. Oh, not you. The other one. The other one. You're the good one. She's the one who's always acting up. Anyway, um so so I actually turn around, door. I come back into my house, and I put my shoes on, and then I just, I got in my car, you know, because I'm thinking, what am I going to do? She's hit by a car, you know, like, then what? So, I drive down there, and it turns out, you know, they were all going to the bus stop, and they were just kind of like, you know how kids do, just walking, you know, but because Zoe's the littlest, and her legs are like this long, she's just like running behind the group, you know, and as they crossed the street, she was just a little behind, and this car came around, and just, hit her, and, and she, uh, like, luckily, she wasn't hurt that bad, because she took the brunt of the force on her face, and um, so I come down, I drive down there, she's bleeding from the face, and, you know, and, uh, like, this mom is, like, holding her, you know, and she's bawling, you know, and I take her, and I, I, I didn't know what to do, so I just drove to the doctors, you know, like, the one down the street, and they were like, you gotta take her to the emergency room, and I'm like, so then I drive over there, and, you know, CAT scans and x-rays and all that. Thank God nothing was broken and she was okay. But like that feeling in my heart that just like sunk, you know, like you think about all the decisions you make as a parent, you know, and you're like, I never should have let them walk to the bus stop. I shouldn't even be letting them take to the bus. In fact, they should be homeschooled. Like all these thoughts like go through your head, you know, like, where did I mess up here? You know, where's my you know, and and we do that, I think, as parents all the time, where anytime something harmful happens to our kids, we feel like, what could we have done to prevent this? But on the other hand, you know, if we just, if we kind of guard them too much, then, then, you know, there's other damage we could do with them without giving them freedom and independence, etc. This isn't a parenting talk. I'm just saying, you know, but that feeling in my heart that, like, just sunk down, you know, when I first heard that, when I first heard that news, I think that, like all of us have times in our lives, moments where our hearts just feel like cut open, you know, and this can happen like from loss, you know, when you hear about a death in the family, you know, or um, it can happen on the other side, of joy or elation, you know, if you think back to a being, falling in love or seeing someone for the first time or, or getting a new job or losing a job, like all of these things can like this feeling where you just get cut like deep in your heart. And um, so we're looking in this, this series in Acts, the Acts 2 journey. And um, as we get to a, this place, which let's see if this, yeah, look at that. Um, in verse 36 of chapter 2, um, we get to this point. And if you weren't here, like up until this point, you know, what where Acts chapter 2 starts is it begins where Jesus is now gone. And I don't mean crucified. Like, so Jesus had been crucified earlier in the book of Luke, and, but then he is resurrected. And then chapter one is the beginning of this resurrected Jesus, where he comes in and he talks to his disciples, but he basically says to them, from here on out, I'm leaving now. Like, he's already resurrected, but he's not going to just stay there living forever, walking around the earth. He, you know, what we call the ascension, where he ascends into heaven and, and kind of leaves the earth. And he says, I'm going to leave you with this Holy Spirit. And Acts chapter 2 begins with that journey of the disciples now walking on their own, living out their faith, being the people of God, not alone because they have the power of the Holy Spirit, but now they are the ones who are being acting out the works of faith and the miracles and all the things. And that's why the book of Acts is actually called Acts because it's the the acts of the apostles it's what it's what we do the church does without jesus here presently on earth because that was just a short moment but now the mission of god has to continue through you and me and so as we get to this point there's 120 of them in the upper room and they're praying and then the holy spirit kind of descends on them and there's these amazing things i don't need to recap all of that but then they get to this point where now the the word of god is being you know, preached and spread in multiple languages. And it's, it's now about making faith more inclusive rather than who's out. It's more about who can be in. And it turns out that there's so many of us who have the option of being in, included in the family of God. And Peter does this thing here where basically Acts chapter two is most of it just recounting this like amazing sermon that Peter is giving to all these people, which is being broadcast by like Google Translate and the Holy Spirit to like everybody in all their own languages, you know, and, and, and as he's doing this sermon, he gets to this point that is like the climax or the pinnacle of his sermon. And this verse that we're going to actually start with today is that climactic section of his sermon where he says this, and this is like, if you look at it, this is like where he reaches the mountaintop of his sermon and he closes with this great idea and he says, Therefore let all Israel be assured of this God has made this Jesus whom you crucified both lord and messiah and to get to this point where he's now proclaiming who Jesus is and meant to be and for for the Jewish listeners to think about the messiah that they had long awaited and been promised that not only was this him but this is the one that you crucified and the idea that the cross would be this like looking glass through, to, through which we would all now view the world in a completely new and different way, that the Messiah wasn't coming to conquer all these peoples on the earth, but that the Messiah was coming to include people of every language and people and tongue, that, that they would all come and be a part of what is now included in the family of God. When Jesus, Jesus did that, Peter's now proclaiming this amazing thing. And so as we start today, I'm starting at a point which is really the climax, the ending. And I feel like I have to give, I had to just give a little bit of like prelude to this because to arrive at the point where Jesus is now Lord and Messiah, Savior and God, like that's a huge moment. And maybe for you here today, obviously because of the location where this is happening, not in the public square, but rather in the, the church, for you here today, you have already arrived at this point, too, where Jesus is both Lord and Messiah. And I, I love this um, little video clip that David played earlier, so we're going to play it again now just because I was talking over it then. But um, it's Bono, you know, the musician. You know, he, He's asked about like who he thinks Jesus is. So let's see. So, so then
1: what or who was Jesus as far as you're concerned? I think it's, the, it's a defining question for a Christian is who was Christ. Christ and and I don't think you're let off easily by saying a great thinker or a great philosopher or you know because actually he went round saying he was the Messiah that's why he was crucified crucified because he said he was the son of God so he either in my view was the son of God or he was not No, no. Nuts. Nuts! Forget rock and roll messianic complexes. This is like, I mean, Charlie Manson type delirium. And I find it hard to accept that all the millions and millions of lives, half the earth for 2,000 years have been touched, have felt their lives touched and inspired by some nutter. I just, I don't believe it. I, so I therefore it follows that you believe he was divine. Yes. And therefore it follows that you believe that he rose physically from the dead. Yes, yeah, I'm into, uh, I mean, I have no problem with miracles. <laughs> I'm living around them. I am one. So, so when you pray then, you pray to Jesus. Yes. The risen Jesus. Yes. And you believe that he made promises which will come true.
0: Yes. I do. So when Peter says to the people you know this this Jesus, you know not just any of you but this Jesus who you crucified is both Lord and Messiah then there is this response and th- it says when the people heard this they were cut to the heart. And I think it's important to note that there's a difference between head knowledge and a heart reaction. Right? I mean to understand in a knowledge sense or to believe in a brain sense about that Jesus Christ is the son of God that that these things are true or that the cross really happened and it and it was meant so that we could have forgiveness of sins and all of the things that that we know to be true about the word of God there's a difference between what we know and how our heart reacts and it was something about you know that that the way it was communicated mixed with their faith and their faith became activated and it says they were cut to the heart and so they said to Peter and to the other apostles what shall we do and i think it's important and this is this is like really important for this section of the of the topic that we're talking about this morning is that if the knowledge of jesus does not ca- cause a heart reaction then we're missing the point. If the knowledge of Jesus does not cause a heart reaction, then we're missing the point of what Jesus did. And that feeling of being cut to the heart, you know, I described that feeling, you know, when I got those words when, about my daughter, you know, and I think we can know that feeling of something in our heart just either breaks or is torn or is activated. And when they heard these words, it was like that happened to them. Because you've got to think about this. This is the moment where they understand who Jesus is. That he is both Lord and Messiah. And at that point, they also understand that they crucified him. In this horrible way, he was killed and martyred. But it wasn't just that that was done. It was done for them. The very people who had been enacting this. And I think in the same way, when we come to the realization of who God is in our lives, but also what that means for us to be included in the family of God, that our sins can be forgiven, that when we realize that, it should activate something in our heart to know that the forgiveness of God is brought on us by Jesus. And that our sin and all of the the shame that we have is now taken away that should activate something in our heart. And so they said, what shall we do? And I think that same response should activate our hearts on a daily basis. That because of the forgiveness that we have and the relationship of what Jesus did to our lives, our hearts should be activated so that we should say, what shall we do? And Peter answers them. It says, Peter replied, each of you. And he kind of gives a, lays out a couple of things. He says, first of all, each of you should Repent from your sins and turn to God. Now, this idea, the imagery here is almost like as if we as humans are standing with our backs to God, like, like we are not facing him. We have turned away. And I know, you know, I I've in, to give another example of, you know, with my kids, you know, when they've done something wrong and they get in trouble, you know that where they just like they look down or they look away. And when they're little, you know, you you say, hey, hey, look at me. Look at me. I want to tell you something. When they get older and become teenagers, you're like, hey, look at me. Turn around. You know how it is. It's a progression, you know. But this idea that we have our backs to God. And not just at the formation of our faith, but all throughout our, our journey of faith. That we come to this place where each day we have to decide that we are going to turn our face toward God, that we're going to acknowledge our sin and our brokenness and not live with our backs toward him because we can do that. We can walk into a a situation where sin or failure uh, comes on us and we don't want to look at God. We don't want to have our face toward God. We turn our backs on him. We turn our face away. We look down. We look away. And Peter's saying the first thing you have to do is to repent of your sins and turn to God. I mean, this imagery of repent, it, repenting is like spinning around, going the opposite direction. But how can we have our face to God when our backs are to Him? And so He says, turn to God. And then it says, and be baptized in the name of Jesus for the forgiveness of your sins. And what is this idea of baptism? It's about obedience. It's about obedience to follow Jesus in baptism. And I think that, you know, sometimes we take this idea of baptism. And throughout church history, this has happened where we like we we over sanctify this act of water. And we actually even argue about how it should be done, whether it should be, you know, in this sprinkling or splashing or submersing or all these different ways that we. And sometimes we get to a place where even the theological philosophical idea of baptism becomes too much for us we don't want to do it we're afraid to do it we already did it we did it when we were baby our parents did it you know like all these things happen where we just say i don't i don't even know where that makes me land i just want to love god but there's a step that comes after turning toward him where we have to begin to be obedient and the idea of baptism isn't like about that that's the one thing you know, some people believe, well, you can't get into heaven. You can't be saved. You can't, you, if you don't get baptized. And that's why, I mean, really out of a good heartedness, you know, the emperor Constantine was like, well, let's just baptize everyone. And they started just splashing water all over the place. He's got the super soaker, you know, because he want to make sure everyone was covered, you know, but really baptism is meant to just be a symbol of our obedience. And it's not simply about the act of baptism, but about what it represents, It represents that we are acknowledging that we were dead in our sins, that we were dead in our trespasses and our sins, and that this idea of baptism is like symbolizing that watery grave that we go under. And then also that after death comes resurrection, not only through Jesus, but for us. That after we acknowledge, after we can turn our face toward God and acknowledge that we are dead in our sins, that from that, we can therefore claim this new life that is in God. And that's what baptism does. It symbolizes this this baptism of going down and, and coming out of the water. And, you know, I, I've been baptized multiple times, okay? When I was a baby, my mom was, like, trying to cover all the bases, got me sprinkled, christened, you know, at the Catholic Church, you know, just in case, you know, like, okay, if that was what you needed to do, do that. When I was like a, you know, a kid, you know, fourth, fifth grade, something like that, maybe somewhere in there, we were going to this, we'd started going to this little Baptist church and you weren't allowed to take communion unless you had been baptized. And so I was like, well, shoot, I want some of that grape juice, you know. So I, I went up and I said I want to get baptized. A couple weeks later, got baptized there at the church. And I, I think, you know, there's all this debate and argument of whether like, well, at what point should kids be allowed to make the decision that they should be baptized? You know what I think? Whenever they want. Like there was something about me wanting to go up there that I, went, that I did it. But, you know, when I really came to faith in my teenage years, I thought, you know, now that I truly, I've had my, my heart has been activated. That feeling of being cut to the heart and turning my face toward God. I was 15 years old. And I just said, you know, now I feel like it's real. And there comes a point, I think, in everyone's life where they, they either accept or they reject faith. And wherever that happens, teenage years, young adults, 20s, later adults, that when that happens, there's almost like this feeling that you want to be obedient, and that begins with baptism. And so I've known a lot of people who've come into a real genuine relationship with God, but they said, well, I don't want to get baptized because I already did it when I was a kid, or I already did it when I was a baby, you know? And I'm always like, do it again, you know, like there's no, there's no prohibition on multiple baptisms in the Bible. You know, it's not like you can't at some point do it. And, and so I did, we were out at the ocean with a bunch of people who had come to faith and we were doing baptisms and I got baptized in the Pacific ocean after really having my heart activated. And, and so I had like, you know, all triple covered, but then, okay, this last May, we went on a trip to the Holy Land. We're in the Jordan River, you know, where Jesus was actually baptized. And so Lisa and I were like, you know, I know we've already been baptized. It's already good. Like the, this was not about like, you know, the step of obedience or anything. This was just like, this is the actual river that Jesus was baptized by John the Baptist in. And so um we went in and got baptized. I I actually baptized Lisa and then Lisa baptized me. So we were like, you know, back and forth. And so <laughs> this this little picture of it, you know, but. I, I remember being there at the Jordan River and I was with my mom, and, and almost everyone was doing it, you know. And uh, I was like, Mom, are you, you going to get baptized? She goes, No, no, I already did it, you know. And I remember when she did it, but it was almost like there was something that had, had become like this, Oh, I can't do that again, you know. But here's what's funny the act of obedience has to be a decision that we make every day. When we turn our face toward God, when we repent, and then are baptized in the step of obedience that's not the end of our spiritual journey that is the beginning and we have to practice turning toward god turning our face toward god repenting of our sin walking in obedience every single day now i'm not suggesting you should go get baptized every day i mean you know i guess you call it the shower you know but like (laughs) not really um but But for you to at some point say, you know what, it's been some time and I I feel like I need to, you know, make that step again. Like there's nothing wrong with that, you know, because we truly have to commit to turning to God and repenting and walking in obedience every single day. And um, he goes on to say, each of you must repent of your sins, turn to God, be baptized for the forgiveness of the sin. Then you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And what's interesting here is there's a lot of um, discussion, especially in this chapter, about the Holy Spirit. You know, it descends, you know, and there's these like flames of fire that happen. They begin to speak in other tongues. Peter begins to preach in all these languages and they begin to hear it. And there's these pretty miraculous and amazing things that happen. But the idea that people and believers need to continue to receive the Holy Spirit happens throughout the book of Acts. And there's these like moments where it's like this huge uh, infilling or indwelling of the Holy Spirit. And there's these times where they begin to speak in other tongues and it outflows from them. But just like with obedience, for us to continue to walk in the direction of the Holy Spirit, for us to continue to walk in the power of the Holy Spirit is something that we have to continue in every single day. Like if you think about it, those who are in the upper room and who began to pray and speak in other tongues. You think that they only did that one time? No. They continue to do that. They continue to make that part of their practice. They continue to to use their, their prayer language that they were given. They continue to seek after the, the Holy Spirit. And we as people have to continue to do that. That all throughout our lives, all throughout our Christian lives and our faith, we have to do all of those things. We have to continually Turn our face back to God. We have to continually take that step of obedience. And we have to continually walk in the fullness of the Holy Spirit. It's not a one-time act. It's something that we continue to do each and every time. So I, um, last night when I came into my living room, uh, my daughters and Lisa, they were watching that movie Sixth Sense, you know, with Bruce Willis. And my daughters had never seen it. They never Has anyone not seen Sixth Sense? Okay, I'm about to ruin it for you. Okay, so just plug your ears, hum. Okay, okay. Sixth Sense is this movie where Bruce Willis, he's a therapist, and he's going to help this little boy who apparently sees ghosts. And he helps him, like, work through and process this. And the movie's all, it's M. Night Shyamalan, all these scary things and sounds that freak you out. You got the chills, you know. It's not a horror movie, but it's just like, You know one of those like intense kind of things but here's the crazy part at the end of the movie you realize that the main character bruce willis who had been helping the little boy who sees ghosts that bruce willis that character he was dead the whole time he was himself a ghost as he was talking and that realization you know that he see i told you i was ruining it and um but like at in the movie you know at the beginning my daughter Allie was like what so he's dead he's a ghost I was like, how did you figure that out? You know, whereas my younger daughter didn't like even resonate with that. And at the end of the movie was like, no way, you know, (laughs) like, yeah, I feel like as we turn our face to God, it's kind of like that character in that movie. You know, as we turn our face to God, it's not that at that point we become sinners. It's acknowledging something that was there the whole time. You know, as we take that step of obedience and the baptism and we go down into that water, recognizing that we were dead in our sins. It's not that at that point it happens that we die. No, we've been dead the whole time. (laughs) But at that point, we acknowledge it. It's the beginning of being able to walk in the fullness of the Holy Spirit. And so this promise, and this is is the, the next verse. Let me see. Oh, yeah, here it is. The promise, this promise is for you and your children and for all who are far off, for all whom the Lord our God will call. You know what? I feel like all of us at times, if we're honest, have felt far off. And I don't mean just before we came to faith. There's times and moments in our faith where we just feel far off. And there's that far off feeling where we don't feel like we're having our face turned toward God, or walking in obedience. We don't feel like we're walking in the direction of the Holy Spirit. And that feeling that we have of being far off makes us want to just disconnect and disassociate, to pull back, to try and create space there because you just feel farther. And that act of feeling far off, I think sometimes makes us, feel, makes us even more far off, makes us feel more far off. And at some point, we have to stop the cycle. At some point, we have to say, you know, I do feel far off. But let my heart be activated by the words of like Peter, who said, this is what Jesus did. He is both Lord and Messiah. And let that activation in our hearts cause us to turn our face toward God and begin to walk again in obedience and to really, truly allow the Holy Spirit to direct and cause us to, to, to move in his power because the, the Holy Spirit gave them something. You know, the idea of this gift of the Holy Spirit, we sometimes think, well, well, what happened was they began to speak in other tongues. That was the gift of the Holy Spirit. No, that might have been some sort of evidence that it happened, just like the fire on their heads was an evidence of it. But the true gift of the Holy Spirit was that they were given power to be a witness in their world. That they went from this place that was the upper room, and Lisa and I, as we were walking around the old city in Jerusalem, we were by ourselves. It was on a free day. We were like, "Thank God we didn't have to like listen to the tour guide, you know, go on and on and on again for another day." You know, she was great, but you know, a little bit too much of that. Anyway, we're walking around by ourselves, and we go down this little side street because we're looking for the Armenian quarter. Because Lisa's Armenian, we want to find it. It's really hard to find, by the way. It wasn't that it was hard to find. It was just behind this gigantic wall. <laughs> we couldn't get in. <laughs> As we're walking down there, we come across this, this little Assyrian church, Assyrian Orthodox church. And um, they're like, oh, Assyrian. She thinks that's, hey, Siri. No. <laughs> and, and so we, we go down this thing, this church, and they're kind of going out. And we're like, oh, what's this? And we walk in right as they're closing, we're like, can we come in? Because we didn't know what to do. We're trying to like, you know, and he goes, oh, yeah, 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 come in. And it's set on their church of the upper room. And we were like, oh, okay, uh, can we go into the church, you know? And he goes, oh, yeah, yeah, sure, sure, come in, you know? So we walk into this church, and I'm telling you, it, it's like not even as big as this room, okay? It's like smaller than the space here. This, this church that's built, you know, the church of the upper room. And we walk in, and you know, you know how it is. You walk into the thing, and it's like just, Pews and like a little, you know, and we walk this way and we walk this way and like we're done now, you know. And I was like, I said to the guy, I'm um, like, can we actually like go up to the upper room? And he was like, oh yeah, it's okay. it's like, okay. And he goes, it's downstairs. <laughs> Which I laughed and I was like, that's funny. It's the upper room is downstairs. And it's like, no, not funny. The whole city was lower. And I was like, not, not funny. Um, how do you say ironic? <laughs> you know, like, because the, the, you know, the city was. And so the upper room was actually downstairs. And we walked down this little staircase. And we go into what people think is like the actual upper room where they were. 120 people in there. And it was just like the same size as the church. I mean, like no bigger than this. 120 people had gathered in there. And they were praying when the Holy Spirit descended on them. And they, they were given this gift which was the power to witness. And as they go out of there and Peter begins to preach, this is the end of the section here. It says, those who accepted his message were baptized and about 3000 were added to their number that day. Think about that to go from 120 to 3000 in a day, like something about the Holy spirit activated in them, the ability to be a witness and You know you think well that's that's a lot of people that's actually nothing compared to the amount of people who have had their hearts activated by Jesus across the world and not even just in this time but like that video was saying for 2,000 years now people have been continuing to be activated by the message of the Holy Spirit and which brings me back to the very first thing that happened is that their hearts were cut their hearts were torn And I really think that if the knowledge of Jesus does not cause a heart reaction to us, then we are missing the point. And I hope that over time spent going to church and hearing messages, that the the reality of the cross has not begun to dull that activation in our hearts. That we can allow that message to continue to activate us and create in us this idea of what should we do so that we can turn our face toward God and walk after him in obedience and be activated by the Holy Spirit to be a witness. And I wonder what would happen if we allowed the message of Jesus to truly penetrate our hearts. You know, what if we faced God with our whole being and allowed him to forgive us of our sins? You know, imagine if we could truly recognize the call of the Lord on our lives. Like, like he said there, for all whom the Lord God will call. I wonder what it would look like for us to walk in obedience, not just in baptism, but as a symbol of our commitment to him. If we could be open to the direction and the leading of the Holy Spirit and allow him to guide our decisions. See, this is the calling of which Peter is calling us to, to us, to our children, and to even those who are far off. So I'm going to invite the worship team to come back up and and close us out, if that's what we're doing. No. Tony says no. So let's just stand. and, And I want us to just take a moment to reflect on what the message of the cross that if you're here this morning to ask yourself this question, is Jesus to me both Lord and Messiah? Meaning, like Savior and God. The one who saves me and forgives me of my sins, but also the one who should direct my life. And if that is true, that should activate something in your heart. It should activate something in you that would cause you to turn your face toward God. And I'm just going to ask you with your eyes closed, that If you're here this morning and you feel like you have not had your face turned toward God, that you have had your back to Him, whether because of sin or mistakes or just feeling far off, that I'm just going to invite you to just take a moment and even just with your eyes closed, just turn your face toward God. Turn your face in the upward position to be looking into the face of God and knowing that he forgives you, that he has purpose for you. Let's just do that this morning. Let's turn our face toward God.
1: But from here,
0: I just encourage you to go from this place and walk in the fullness of the Holy Spirit to walk in obedience. If you are here and you just haven't uh, been baptized, you know, you can always fill out that connection connection card and say, I want to be baptized. If you haven't been baptized since your heart has been activated, maybe it was in your baby or kid, it's nothing that says you can't do that again. It's a symbol of walking in obedience, turning our face toward God and receiving the power of the Holy Spirit. I'm going to close us in prayer. Lord God, I thank you for this journey that, that believers we're walking through in the book of Acts in chapter 2 and I thank you for this journey of faith that we are all on that this moment in time is just a juncture in our journey of faith our journey is not complete our journey is ongoing so this morning we turn our face toward you we receive your forgiveness we pray God that we can walk in obedience in the direction and the power of the Holy Spirit and we thank you God for what you have done for us on the cross in Jesus. Name.